Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, uh, to another episode of How to Succeed in Product Management. Uh, My name is Jeff Schulman. I'm a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, where I've, uh, along with a team of amazing product leaders, um, founded the Product Management Center, which is a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. And as we uh, try to empower diverse product leaders to make products drive success, uh, making products that are inclusive to diverse audiences, we are here every week on Clubhouse, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time, uh, to help you uh, connect with some of the greatest product managers in the business, learn from them, and also pop up on stage and share your insights. Uh, so each week we take a different topic, and this week the topic is a fan favorite, uh, Sumeya's, a favorite of Sumeya's and mine, uh, objectives and key results. And so you're going to learn today about why uh, we might use the OKR method as product managers, when you might use it, and I think I'm going to try to get into the weeds uh, to get pretty tactical, because that was one of my favorite how to succeed in product management moments is when Sumeya qualified with, we're going to get super tactical here, and then really made it super easy to do some of the, the magic that she does year in and year out. So speaking of magic uh, that Sumeya does year in and year out, Sumeya is here every week sharing her expertise. And so Sumeya, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and why OKRs uh, is a great subject for today's conversation? Yeah, thank you, Jeff, uh, for convening this, and thank you, everyone, for joining us. I am Smeya Binganem. I'm a product management leader currently at VMware, um, and OKRs are an important topic, uh, one that uh, I, I have cared about for a long time. Uh, whenever uh, we're talking about building software, aligning teams, creating goals, and focusing on outcome versus output, uh, OKRs become a very integral part of that. So uh, as product managers, we we want to build the right things for our users, for our business. We want the right outcomes. And OKRs um, are, are, like I said, a, an important part of that discussion. I want to I wanna also caveat all of this by saying there are many different frameworks out there, different methodologies, uh, for example, V2Mom and others uh, that different companies use. We are going to focus today's conversation on OKRs, but that does not take away from the key messaging of one, the need for alignment around outcomes at every level of the organization, and two, the fact that outcomes really matter. And so defining them as a team and as a PM is part of what you need What you need to do. Back to you, Jeff. All right. Thank you, Samaya. That is your superpower, helping people understand why they need to know uh, certain aspects of product management, how it will help not only the aspiring product managers that we have in the audience, but the people who've been product managers for years, we're always able to help both of you learn how to succeed. 
And with me every week is a founding advisory board member on the Product Management Center, helped us build this from the ground up, and is responsible for us being on Clubhouse. My co-host, our co-host, or I'm his co-host, I don't know how you wanted to call it, but Red, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you uh, hope people get out of this conversation and how they could get involved in this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. And my name is Red. There's also a red dot at the top of this Clubhouse because we are recording this and turning into a podcast. So every week of our week, you are here Tuesdays at four o'clock. For those who are new to the room, there's two things you should walk away to remember. One, we have a Slack channel for product managers. That's right, product management Slack channel, but it's not owned by any single company. It's brought to us by University of Washington, completely agnostic. So you're not going to be recruited. You're not going to be sold to. It is a safe place for product managers. If you want access to this, just DM me or get in touch with me, or you can use one of the new back channels of Clubhouse, a little triangle with the down arrow on your screen, and I'm happy to send you a link. Other than that, yeah, the goal today is to really talk about OKRs, but keep in mind, 30 minutes in, we'll open up the stage. So if you have any questions or contributions or anything, I'm here to help get you a voice out there so you can get your questions answered. Or if you're a little shy, that's okay. Come into the Slack channel and tell me what you want to ask on your behalf, and I'll do my best to represent you well. So with that in mind, big fan of supporting the product management community and very excited for a great show today, Jeff. Back to you. All right, Red, always a pleasure to, to be here with you, bringing insights from some of the best product managers in the business. One of them is Mortaza Chowdhury. Thank you for being here today. I'd love it if you could tell the audience here a little bit about yourself and your journey as a PM. And then uh, layer on top of that, have you used OKRs throughout your journey or have there been other methods that you've used? And then subsequently, we could start diving into the pros and cons of each. But right now, I just want to hear a little bit about your journey and what you've used to serve the purpose that OKRs serve. Thank you, Jeff. Very excited to be here along with Sumaya and Ved and, and all the folks uh, listening in. So my name is Murtaza Chaudhry. I am head of product management and design at Amazon Web Services. And I lead the data protection services here. So as a uh, Part of my journey, I've been at AWS for uh, close to four years now. I was at Microsoft prior to that, 11 years. So I've been mostly working on enterprise software and uh, and cloud. In terms of OKR, it's a great tool to drive alignment across the organization and uh, lead towards a common goal. Whether it is OKR or any other tools that we use, the primary thing is to, is to have focus on a common team that the organization looks at, have measurements that can drive towards it, and what the projects and products that get built after that need to align with the broader goal. So it helps with goal setting for business, for building products, to drive alignment across the teams, to drive prioritization, and even make tough decisions as to what the team should be doing versus not. All right. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I want to, before we dive into the what, the why, the when, and the how, I want to give a shout out to our two volunteers from the Product Management Center, Srikar Apatlari and Avajit Tripathi, the two of them are graciously taking notes from today's conversation and sharing them in the Product Management Center Slack channel. So if you want to be on that Product Management Center Slack channel, uh, DM Red, he'll get you the link. But thank you to Avajit and Srikar who are sharing live takes in that Slack channel and then might be posting later on LinkedIn. Uh, and also you could join the, the UW Foster the Product LinkedIn group as well that you might have to DM me for insight into that. But yes, we're trying to build a community of product managers 
And it is important to think through that product managers think through their goals and really get alignment. Sumeya, can you talk through the benefits of the OKR approach? So the I know you talked about why it's important here, but why do we use this approach instead of what might have been done before that it became popularized? Yeah, absolutely. I think just like frameworks in general, OKR helps people organize their thinking. It helps people understand how to get to an outcome. It defines uh, a process and, and a set of elements that as a team or an executive group you want to discuss and as a PM you want to look for. I think within just the the OKR, within that the name, Objective Key Result, there are three components. There is the objective part, which is extremely important, defining objectives that matter. And then key results are all about the metrics. So it's it's a in itself, as a whole, it's complete. It shows you the direction of where you're going or what are you looking to achieve. And then the KR part, the key results, helps you understand whether you achieved it or not, or define the metrics that allow you to determine the, the achievement of that objective. So as a, those two pieces, the key results and the objectives, are extremely important in allowing the team to, across a large organization, that is, to deliver towards a, a common set of, of things. And when we talk about alignment, if you think about, you know, situations where you don't have that, you're going to have people working cross purposes from each other, they might all think, oh, we, we need to increase retention. But how do you increase retention, for example? You can use tactics uh, that invalidate each other if you are working within a large organization. So what I like about the OKR method is that, one, it allows the team to define specific objectives that they want to reach at a high level, at the organizational level. But then there is also transparency and not just transparency, but there is a connection to the next set of OKRs. So you can have OKRs at the product level as well. Different teams can have different OKRs, but they connect back to the top level ones. So there, is, there are a lot of components within this overall OKR methodology that's great, that has been thought through. And we can talk a lot more in detail about some of the tactics and, and the details and the minutia there. Awesome. Thank you, Samea. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit of uh, how to uh, really helping people here get after to actually uh, set OKRs in a way that pushes the business forward and link into what the organization is trying to achieve. Before we get to a super tactical discussion, I want to stay high level for a moment and, and ask Murtaza, can you tell us a little bit about some of the best practices you've seen in terms of writing out that objective and maybe some best practices in terms of setting the key metrics? Sure, Jeff. So the best practices is to have an objective that, that speaks to what the vision that the company has or what you want to do as a product or what you want your users or customers to do. I'll take an example. I need uh, data protection services. So one of the key objectives there is how do we help uh, customers have better resiliency of their applications when they're moving to the cloud? And, and uh, that could be as broad as increased resiliency of application when customers are building, that, building them on AWS. And how do we achieve that? 
uh, that's where you do uh, define what the key results should be. And uh, they need to be more tactical. Uh, and one could be you increase the coverage of the resources that you're managing through the policies. Give them visibility into how many resources they have at their disposal and what percentage of coverage do they have, right? And uh, have initiatives after that, the projects that would help get to the goals and the results that are defined. And the results should be measurable. Results should be realistic. They need to be achievable. But the objectives by itself, they need to be broader and they need to be inspiring at the same time. Thank you, Murtaza. Sumaya, anything to add in terms of best practices as we're writing out the objectives and then the key results? And then has Murtaza added another, a thing that way people are trying to separate what you do and what you're trying to accomplish is putting in the initiatives, which kind of describes how you will achieve those key results. But Sumaya, anything that you could add to the best practices and the objectives, key results, and if you want to add about the initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone who has done OKRs for multiple cycles will tell you that there is tension and there is art in part to it. So you can, sometimes you feel that your OKRs maybe are too safe and some quarters they feel too aggressive and finding that place in the middle that's just right for your team is important. But then beyond that, actually defining what is the confidence interval for that OKR or for the metrics you're using to measure that OKR is also another aspect. The other thing I think about a lot in talking to other colleagues, when thinking about strategy overall, so you, a lot of companies do annual cycles around strategy. How does that tie to OKRs? Making sure that th there is uh, a practice around that tie-in is important. So I, I see some best practices that are necessary to establish there. And then the last thing is the actual number of OKRs. So having too many creates distraction uh, and, and lack of focus. And then what is just right for your organization so that you can be inclusive of all your products, you can be inclusive of all your teams, but represent everything that matters as well. So there is a, a little bit of an art there. All right. And speaking of that art, I'd like to see where it goes wrong. Uh, so Murtaz, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about some mistakes you've seen. So I, I teach product management here at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And this is Easy people grasp it in, in concept, but then to actually apply it, uh, there's a lot of mistakes that I see along the way. And I'm curious, Murtaza, what mistakes you've seen that we could help the audience avoid? Sure, Jeff. And mistakes can happen at various levels here. Uh, mistakes could happen while setting up the objective itself. So if you are too narrow in the objective, Sumaya touched upon when you're setting up strategy, when you're building strategy for a year or one half years ahead, you want to leave some room for creativity as well. So you want to set the vision, but you don't want to be too tactical on what you really want to get to. Like take, for example, Amazon says, build the most customer-centric store that uh, sells everything. There's a lot of room there to innovate and a lot of room there to grow. If you make it too narrow, it will be hard to innovate. And same goes for the key results. The key results, on the other hand, need to be very specific so that you can measure and you can adapt as you go along. One common mistake on the key results is being big there, being uh, ambiguous. So on the two sides and objectives, be a little big, be a little, be a little aspirational, 
But uh, on the key results side, be, be very specific and have the metrics there to measure their success. Sumeya, anything to add to that uh, kind of common mistakes or ways that can go sideways when you're trying to write your OKRs? Yeah, one that came up to mind in addition, Murtaza, you, you reminded me of one, which is sometimes the objectives don't really have any key results that the team can latch on to. And by that, I mean, it, like it, it, you get the sense that it's impossible to really determine if you have arrived at that objective. I know as PMs, we pay a lot of attention to data, but that doesn't necessarily translate to every level of the organization. So I, I, that's just something to keep in mind of. One, either you can't actually measure whether you achieve the objective or not. And maybe the indicators are way too lagging. Or when I say way too laggy, I mean they're lagging, but by a long period and your OKR maybe has a quarterly or an annual cycle to it. And then the second thing is the key indicator is van is a vanity one. So when we think about a lot of uh, the data, for example, around social media, some of it does not really translate into outcomes and has a little bit of that vanity aspect to it. So those are a couple of the really tactical concerns that come up at the product level OKR. Thank you. And a common mistake that I see when I have students try their own OKRs, uh, two mistakes is one, they don't tie into the organization's objectives. And so I think an important part of it to convey is that you don't just set your goals uh, in isolation, that they should feed into what the organization is trying to achieve. And then the second mistake that I commonly see is that the objectives and the key results, meeting them doesn't actually push the organization forward. So sometimes they'll have tasks as key results, like launch a new feature. And so I'm curious, Murtaza or Sumeya, what are your thoughts on those mistakes and how do we help people avoid them? How do we help them really see that the OKRs should always push the business forward to some degree? Or do you agree with that statement? Yeah, totally. And there needs to be alignment among them. It cannot be uh, OKRs that are in silos and do not talk to each other. So they all need to support the company's uh, mission, vision statement, what the customer or the user expects to see. And uh, the OKRs needs to drive growth into them. And they need to drive towards a common goal, even among them. And uh, one key thing to watch out for, even for the key results, is to make adjustments along the way. As somebody I mentioned that there could be a tension sometimes, say, am I, is it going to be too hard to meet? Or is it, or am I meeting it too easily? So those are the times to adjust them as you go along. And then the best way is to look at previous year's OKRs, look at what uh, customers are asking for, look at what users are asking for, and making adjustments along the way. Murtaza, to that point, one of the, the, the things I did early on, I remember in my career, is I used to try to right-size the key results and spend a lot of time worrying about it. But then later, over time, what I have found to work more for me uh, or better, to work better, is to identify a, an aggressive and a, and a high achieving key result, but then work through the confidence interval. So we can say we, are, we want, let's say, a 50% growth rate, but then my confidence interval that we were going to 
we are going to achieve 50% is going to be, is, is 80%, let's say for Q1, but for Q3, because of what we know is going to happen, you know, seasonal aspect, it's probably a 60% likelihood. And I know I'm overcomplicating it in, in, in certain scenarios, but it also allows the team uh, that has multiple products to adjust uh, the confidence interval in a way that works for them. Curious to, to see if that's maybe, if you have other hacks you've used. No, totally. In fact, one of the things I look at across our team is what is the confidence level we have of doing this? And uh, there also needs to be a sense of priority among the OKRs. So sometimes if, if there are two competing ones, which one do we trade off? That, that meets the company's vision and, and a larger strategy better. Then at any point there could be, it could grow organically and hit the metrics that we had set out for. Or sometimes there need to be additional work adjustment along the way. At any time, at any point uh, during the course of the year or quarter, there needs to be a confidence level associated on how are we. All right, so I want to get super tactical here to help people see exactly how it's done, who's involved in the discussions, how some of these decisions are made, and diving deeper into this iterative process that Murtaza and Sumay have just shared. Uh, before that, I just want to remind everybody that we're here joined by a head of product at Amazon and a Sumeya, the a resident expert here on how to succeed in product management. This show is brought to you every week by the Product Management Center at the University of Washington. And we have Srikar Potlery sharing insights live in our in the Product Management Center Slack channel. And I'm going to dive tactically here uh, into the tactics with our two guests. But Red is my co-host and he manages the stage. And I think it's time to start lining people up or seeding the thought that in this conversation, we don't just want questions. We would love for you to chime in on some of the tactical discussion that we're getting. Now, Murtaza and Sumeya, I want to dive into the weeds here. Um, how do you go about setting objectives and key results? Like what's the order? What direction do you get from senior management? Who do you involve in the conversation? I'm going to leave it open-ended and then I'll get into more specifics, but just let's get tactical. How, what is the process by which you do it? That may largely vary uh, from company to company. So I can speak on how it's done at Amazon, for example. So at Amazon, we are uh, a customer-obsessed company and everything is driven by what customers ask. In fact, 90 to 95% of our product roadmap is driven by conversations product managers have with customers. So in terms of driving the strategy, setting up OKRs, when we are looking at strategy for next one year or next one and a half years, it's the product managers uh, who look at their space, whether it is updating existing services with new features or building brand new services, it's based on that. Uh, we look at what customers are asking for, what their next best alternatives are currently, and what are the gaps there. And if we need to build a product, how it could move the needle and make the experience for the customer significantly better than what they already have. Sumeya, anything to add to the process by which you actually get down and put to paper some OKRs? Yeah, absolutely. As similar to what Morteza talked about in terms of the trickle-down nature of OKRs, we also, the executive team comes up with the OKRs on an annual basis. And they have also a three-year vision that has some sort of soft OKRs associated with it. Or I shouldn't even say OKRs, just objectives in general. And even though I'm talking about this in a trickle-down fashion, 
in a healthy organization, I know that there is a loop. So down from the product teams or the teams actually talking to customers, there is a feedback loop back to the executives who also care about the customer. And it's a self-writing kind of process. And by writing in like it, you balance it out with feedback from both the organization and the customer so that you can create objectives that that make sense. But to get back to the to actually how we do it. So once the executive teams uh, come up with objectives, then the product teams take those objectives or the business units take those objectives, translate them into what those objectives mean for that specific product line. Each product team also then takes those objectives and decides what that means for them. And they can, so for example, at the product, and I'm going to now focus a little bit more on the product team level, since this is a products management uh, conversation. So the product team gets the list of OKRs from their business unit or their leadership And they look at it and they can say, as a team, they do this through a working session together. As a team, we think of this list of three OKRs. This one OKR is really the one uh, we can make an impact or actually do anything with. Or these two OKRs or these three OKRs. But ideally, they don't. Not all OKRs for the organization translate to OKRs for the product team. Otherwise, it means there is a work that's being done that's uh, wasteful. Either the org is too small for that many levels of OKRs or the OKRs are just not broad enough for the organization. So going back again to the product team decides uh, what OKR they want to work with and then together as a product team or the product manager on their own, they create some hypotheses around some of the objectives that that key objective they want to work through that they can deliver on. And then they meet with the team through a series of exercises. And this is a place where I want to make a recommendation for people to go to mural.com and search for their OKR template. And you will see uh, templates for working sessions on OKRs and how to do them within your product teams. Um, I follow something similar. And as a team, then we create a set of objectives that we think we can we can achieve ranked by certainty and comfort. And then we take those objectives and have associated results or metrics that we can we can achieve for them. And this whole process usually takes a few days, but the larger OKR one at the organizational level takes a few weeks. One last thing to say here, OKRs at the product level are not set in stone. Well, you might have, or at least for my teams, well, we might have quarterly objectives we wanna achieve. We also go back and update them constantly as we learn because Within your culture of learning, you're finding out new data, you're making new assumptions, you're validating assumptions, you're understanding risks, the market is shifting, your customer is changing. And so your OKRs need to be just as agile and as nimble as the rest of your organization. And can you clarify, or maybe Murtaza could chime in too, who is considered the product team? So who are the the roles or constituents that are brought into that discussion? 
the product management team is there, but it's it could be broader than that. It could be the people who interact with customers, uh, like the account managers. It could be people in the field, say architects who work with customers closely. It could be internal teams as well, uh, even from engineering team who are building products, who are serving products that are already in market. So anybody who is associated with a product who is a key stakeholder, whether people who are part of the team or even from a leadership standpoint who are responsible for the overall growth of the business, and they are all considered part of the product team. Rock on. I mean, look at these answers that we're getting from amongst yourselves. But to be fair, I think that we should open up the stage to some questions because they've been waiting patiently. So with that in mind, I'm going to switch gears a little bit to some open Q&A around OKRs. And if the acronyms are making you sick, just wait till you actually do your own OKRs at your company. Uh, let's lift that TTV and lower that TCO and get that CTR up by 20%. Anyone else have any idea what I just said? <laughs> we can always kind of <laughs> bring a little levity. Love it. Thank you. That's what KPIs are, just a bunch of acronyms, KPI. So Suresh, you've been waiting very patiently. As someone who's a director of product management, did you have something to contribute around OKRs? Or did you have a question for Murtaza and Sumea? The stage is absolutely yours. Thank you. I very much. It's very good discussion. I agree with Samaya and with a lot of points. So uh, when we are defining OKRs, it should be in line with the objective to the organization. But I just have one question here. So it is very good to have the top objectives at the organization level. But how is it made a tree or drilled down to a normal developer, right? So this should be mapped, right? Only thing when you cut KPI is properly uh, drilled down and mapped to a, a developer in the team. That would help. Because company's objectives, at the end of the day, management can set it. At the end of the day, the development teams is what have to do to achieve that. So do you follow some structure? How you can take some example and help us that how is that kind of structured? Like is it tree to the lower level? Bertaza, I saw you come off mute there. And I, I have a feeling Amazon is more like a startup. It's really small. So I don't know if this is a question that relates to you. It was a joke, a really bad one. So if you had some context, the stage is yours. Yeah, and no, I'm happy to share my insights there. Uh, so it's ratio rather an interesting point there. Like how does uh, the OKR map to every developer, every engineer? That, that's an interesting exercise after setting up the OKRs or while setting up the OKR, building some kind of hierarchy or mapping. And that uh, happens at every level. There could be a company's mission statement. There could be a company's growth plan. Then that needs to tie to the product improvements that are happening, the product team is building. How does that map to the, the things that an engineer is doing? Uh, they, are, they need to be on related. And in fact, there needs to be some kind of hierarchy where the OKRs are broken down. Of course, from an organization level to team level to individual level. And it'd be great if a developer and engineer is given view of what the big picture is and how the work the person is performing helps with the broader goal of the product, the company, and overall business. That's a great perspective. Sumeya, just given your experience also working with sizable organizations, what would you say is your approach, top down or bottom up? as it relates to Suresh's question. So I definitely agree we need traceability, but I think as in with all product management, the magic happens in the in-between. And so you need both 
bottoms up and top down. I, I also wanted to clarify when I talk about product teams working together on the OKRs, in in my experience and, and the way I like to do it is to involve the whole balance team. So every everyone on the team from the UX designers to the engineers, everyone working on the product gets to have a say. Um, we do homework. They think through the objectives that the organization has identified. And then we come back and we provide, we, together, we, we come up with our objectives or OKRs for the product. The, your question also reminds me of a, a few years ago at a startup we, of 125 people. We were a team of five PMs. The executive team of which I was one, we came up with some OKRs and we then we went back to the product teams and we asked them to come up with their own. And there was feedback from one of the product teams that basically back to the executive team that said, this OKR is not uh, the right one for us to think about the way the market is and the way the customers that we have been trying to work with, especially if we want to meet one of the other OKRs, make this other one invalid. And the executive team then went back based on that feedback and they came up with a different OKR or, or a better OKR. And so I think in healthy organization, you have that feedback and that's really the right way to do it. Thank you for your perspective and Suresh, thanks for opening up and coming back on stage multiple weeks now. Uh, very, very lucky to have you here. Moving on to the... I have question. one follow-up question. Can Suresh, so I, I would be happy to let you have a follow-up question. Well, what is it? Please. Yeah, see, I think you kind of answered, but I did not get the full answer. See, what I was asking is that how is it breaking down to a developer level. What is it for me as an OKR at a management level setting? So I don't think that bottom-up, it is not top-down. It's not bottom-up, it's top-down. Bottom-up is the feedback and then you improve on the OKRs, right? So but how is it broken down to a developer level? So yeah. I can tell my... I have an, in an organization. That. Yeah, I just want that answer first so that yeah. I can share my experience. Stories. <laughs> it's through stories. Fundamentally, your user stories are what ties all of that together. So if I was to create that traceability, this is exactly how it looks like. Organizational objectives is the top. The next thing is the product OKRs. The next thing is the product roadmap or you don't actually even need a roadmap. Let's say you have an epic. And then from there, you have user stories. Actually, you don't even need an epic. You can go directly from an OKR to a set of stories, especially if you have metrics that you want to, that you're clear on, the, the KR piece. And from there, you have stories and your stories, maybe a collection of them, uh, achieves a certain set of key results. And then from there, you have code. And if you're, in my case, my teams use TDD, so test-driven development. So within the code too, I can see the, the objective and, and why we're doing this and how can I test that code in a way that traces back to the value that I am committing to providing. So that's how I, I look at it. And then finally, of course, is the customer telling us or validating for us whether or whether it's the customer or another. Of course, I'm oversimplifying it by saying customer. But the customer telling us whether we actually achieved that key result or not. Rotalzo, I see you come off mute there. Do you have something to add you wanted to add? Certainly. 
Yeah, uh, I'd like to add to that. It's it's both art and uh, science at the same time. It has uh, a lot to do with how teams are structured as well. Let's say a company wants to enter a new business altogether. Then uh, what are the steps is the company taking? Are they building a new product? Are they acquiring an existing product? And how are the teams structured? Is it layered where every team builds a component that the other team consumes? Or is it all scattered in a way that all components are built in an independent way and all, they all come together later? So based on that, the overall goal or the objective that the company has that has to be broken down through the, into how the responsibilities are shared across the teams. And based on how responsibilities are shared, the overall objective will be broken down and a success or key result has to be defined at every stage that will lead to the broader success of the goal. Great contributions. And, and Suresh, I'm glad that you had that follow-up question because there are a number of people in the crowd that are on the developer side that want to feel represented or at least trust in the system around OKR. So appreciate the follow-on there. I know, and hopefully I'm saying your name correctly, Bhaskar, if representing from Austin, Texas. Hopefully I got the name right. But, uh, you've been waiting patiently on stage. Did you have an OKR contribution or a question? The, the stage is yours. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I was flashing my mic because I was just like, you know, when somebody was talking about stories and how it's broken down for, so right on. So yeah, on that end, and I have a slightly similar question to what Suresh was saying. I need to stole my question in a way, but let me see if I can position it in a slightly different way. And my success as a product manager depends on the success that could be delivered by the technical teams. There could be a lot of tech leaders in this in this room and listening to us. So nothing against them. But sometimes I feel that I'm put on my OKRs. They see the stories. They see the epics. They give us some estimations. Yes, we can deliver it. Let's rock on. And then we move ahead. And all of a sudden, I hear from my tech leaders, like, dude, we can't we can make it. Yeah, there, there are holes in the boat. We are sinking. And, and how do we address that? Like, I know we started with a great strategy on delivering based on the OKRs and break down the stories. And sometimes I feel that we are looking at two different uh, goals of success. And my success is totally dependent on the delivery of their the team. So get me some headway on how you guys deal with those scenarios and what has been the most successful way you address them. Wow. This is at the crux of this question is the influence without authority thing. I usually see see this come up in, in two ways. One, when you have engineering teams that are not part of product teams, you have like a, an engineering organization and a business organization. This comes up you know, like it's a notorious problem. That's one. Two is when you have too many priorities. Fundamentally, everyone wants the business to succeed. Everyone wants to do the right thing. But if you create choices that are untenable for the team, that this happens. So I, I try to look at this from uh, a core issues perspective. I, I mean, the symptom is that you have partners, whether they're technology partners or marketing partners or sales partners who are not able to deliver in a way that helps the, the product succeed. But fun, that's a symptom again. Truly, what is the heart of this problem? And, and what I mentioned, those two areas are usually what I see is, is where you need to start. So I personally always try to prioritize 
for the teams. I, I tried to solve these problems through prioritization, through alignment on actually what objectives matter. And then there is a point if you find that everything has been done right from that perspective, but just because of limited resources, there is an objective that won't be achieved, then it's a matter of having those conversation uh, conversations. And like I said, OKRs are not written in stone. The team can adjust them throughout the quarter. Interesting. I also get a pushback, Soleil, all the time. Like after the whole process has been done and signed off on, if you may, which is not written in stone, but at least agreed on, did they come back to us in the middle of things and say requirements are not clear? Is nothing is going to be clear from get-go. You know, we are charting the waters as we're going. So yeah, it's always been one struggle I've been having. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, this is, uh, that's typical, right? The engineering team can't necessarily know exactly what it's going to take to build something. And this is, which is why, actually, that's something we should talk about, which is why it's okay to not achieve all your OKRs. If your team is achieving every single OKR they signed up for every quarter, that then that means your OKRs are not aggressive enough or aspirational enough. They're just too easy. And so how do you use those opportunities where the team is not able to, let's say, achieve an OKR to make them, make them into a learning opportunity? I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I think we have to have a stretch of KR. You, you, you write on it and, and it's okay. But I think we got to bake it out and set expectations to ourselves and leadership too. Right on. One yes. final question. Oscar, sorry to, to, to cut you off, but we only have 10 more minutes left on how to succeed in product management. So what I would encourage you and everybody else in the audience, if you have questions or follow-up questions, hop onto the Product Management Center Slack channel. Both Murtaza and Sumeya are on there and they've, both been very generous with their insights, so you might be able to reach out to them and follow up on, on specific questions. We only have nine minutes left now, and I want to make sure that I give Red a chance to do his magic. And that magic is getting through as many questions with valuable insights as possible, leaving me enough time to give our panelists uh, concluding thoughts. So Red, the challenge, are you up for the challenge? Five minutes or less? Can you manage this stage? Oh, if this was an Olympic sport, I'd be a gold medalist. So, Bhaskar, hit me up, DM me, and I'll get you into the Slack channel. I appreciate the questions. No worries. Yeah. I just want to appreciate thank you all for letting me speak and, and share some thoughts on that. Thank you. Rock on. Absolutely. Now, Harish, you're representing Facebook, drinking Coke in the sun on the beach. What is your insight or question that you have for the stage? Because the stage is now yours. Hey, thanks, Red. Thanks, everybody on stage. This is a great discussion. I originally didn't have a question, but uh, let me be honest, but now I do have one. I wanted to, everybody's talking about OKRs and how the traceability and trackability of goals and being able to make sure that the set OKRs are also achieved exactly. One of the key factors that I've personally faced is the ownership model, especially when you set goals or objectives. Ownership is a core aspect because otherwise product managers tend to drastically fail trying to undertake all of them by themselves. So I'm just curious to hear thoughts on how, what do you think is the best ownership, not just within product management, but cross-functionally? How do you offload these responsibilities of once you set OKRs at a very high level and breaking them down and not having to constantly babysit them or nurture them? 
Red, you've got the, you just said it's an Olympic sport. We've got a, a Greek god here as a profile for Mike's picture. This was your chance to shine with rapid fire <laughs> turning it over. Come on. Well, Matazza was on mute, but yeah, he didn't say anything. I think he was just in awe of that Greek god picture. So yeah, that, that's a question, Matazza. How do they do things over at Amazon? How, who owns it? Yeah, owner, ownership needs to be tied to who has control over what. Let's say who defines the product. So that ownership should lie with the product management team. Who executes and builds the product or writes code, that ownership needs to be with engineering manager or the developers. How to drive growth, that ownership needs to reside with the product management along, along with the sales team, which is an enterprise product. And uh, if there's a customer satisfaction goal, uh, that, that needs to reside with business development and all the people who work more closely with the customer on a day-to-day basis. So is there, is there a clear owner? I mean, to me, that's, it still sounds shared. Is there like one individual that takes the heat if it doesn't happen and also owns it when it does? Yeah, there, there needs to be ownership and it needs to be clear. There needs to be an owner and other people who contribute to it. So it's important that based on who has control over it, that person or team and the leader of the team is generally the owner and it trickles down into the, into the team. That's how people and teams can be held accountable for, for the growth there. Well, if I could choose an owner and I work with Sumeya, Sumeya, I would be like, please own this OKR for me. I feel like you have a contribution here to add to. (laughs) Absolutely. Just very quickly. I think I highlighted earlier that from a product team perspective, everyone on the team is involved in the creation of the OKR. So uh, engineering, marketing, sales. Everyone is part of that working session, that collaboration to come up with the OKRs. And so together we work towards achieving them. And because everyone works on them, uh, by the way, this is a a secret of product management. Um, PMs can sit down and do most of the work we do on our own. But the reason why we do a lot of collaboration and a lot of facilitation is because we want to bring people along on the journey and we want that alignment and uh, people to, to have skin in the game. It's, it's more of a psychological aspect than it is a, actually an accuracy thing because in reality, you can do a lot of things through research. You can do things asynchronously, but there is still a lot of value to bringing people together to have a give and take, to have that conversation, the back and forth. And it's really all about getting them to own things, even if, if they don't realize it. <laughs> so that's my overall answer. But then fundamentally, who is everyone is responsible, but who's accountable for the creation of the OKRs? It is the products manager. Okay. The, the pressure's on if you're a product manager here and you've got an OKR in your name and you need someone to empathize with. Sumeya's there right alongside you. So, uh, Harish, thank you for the question. Hope wherever you are on the planet looks sunny and comfortable. I'm going to head over to Mike. You've got the last question and also the least amount of time to ask it. You know, the stage is yours, man. What do you want to ask? What, what's top of mind? Awesome. Thank you guys for the opportunity. And actually, I just want to chime in. It's not a question. I just wanted to give my two cents on the topic. As product managers, I've, I've seen like the politics behind different organizations, different industries, where we want to, to establish an, an OKR and sometimes different departments, different units, even different stakeholders, customers have their own agenda and we cannot go ahead and, and, and well, deliver as much as value as we would. And here comes my two cents. So as product managers, we should be thinking as a, we are the product 
owners, when we should maximize the value, we're going to own the problem, not the solution. So the engineering department can help us with the solution. Marketing can help us with marketing and anything else, right? So we are simply connecting the dots, helping the organization move forward, providing that vision, establishing questions, helping the organization answer those questions. And yes, like leading from the back. <laughs> yes, if we are not like taking the lead position, uh, like the face of, of the product, we're maybe doing something wrong. But the rock stars and the true MVPs are the team. And if we can empower the team to feel that and they can say, hey, I'm a dev and I understand what you want and this is not the correct thing to do. That person has all the right to say, what is the right thing to do? And we as product managers have to say, hey, my dev, he's an expert. He knows what to do. Listen to this opinion, right? So those are my two cents. It's complicated, but it can be done. Well, thank you, Mike. That, that's very altruistic of you and very nice ending to a, what could be confusing as far as OKR. So appreciate that. Jeff, yeah. I'm going to hand this one back to you. Thanks, Red. Thank you. And I want to see if Murtaza or Sumeya, before we get to concluding thoughts, Really quick, do you agree with what Mike said or have anything to add or to push back on? I wanted to um, just to say something that I think covers some of what Mike said and what we heard also in the last two questions, which is in dysfunctional organizations, OKRs are not going to fix the dysfunction. So if you have lack of collaboration and you don't have a product mindset within the organization in itself, OKRs are not, are not going to be a, a solution. They're just one of the tools that help you get alignment and get, help you get uh, focus and, and energy behind certain outcomes. So I, I, I understand, Mike, your point of view there also around owning the, the problem and the solution. I don't necessarily agree with how you laid it out. I think it's it's a lot more nuanced than that, probably, at least my point of view there. But we can shelf that for another day. Yeah, I quickly want to say it was one to that. I don't completely agree to that point as well, Mike. I believe product managers need to lead from the front rather than from behind. And the product manager needs to be the best advocate of what the user or customer is going to do. There could be technical challenges the developers bring up that, and they need to be dealt with differently. Maybe an alternative way of solving the problem. But the objective and what product uh, one sets out to build, uh, that narrative needs to be led by the product manager because that person is closest to the customer and the user and needs to help the team and the overall group have alignment with that. So we have a little bit of controversy and this is what Red lives for, but unfortunately we're out of time to really dive deep into it. One thing I do want to applaud that Mike did say that I think is important is one, it is important for product managers to fall in love with the problem, not the solution. So we want to make sure we truly understand customers and understand and are flexible with how we solve their needs in a way that drives the, the business forward. And then I also think one thing that Mike said that does tie into OKRs and the beauty of them is that they tell us what to achieve and what we want to achieve. And then we have some flexibility as to how we achieve it. And so if we settle in too early into a solution, we may, we, our biases creep in and we uh, might miss some better opportunities. So really falling in love with the customer problem and really using OKRs to say what you want to achieve. And then uh, I think maybe the debate is how collaboratively do we decide on the how do we achieve it? 
But I, I do agree that we don't want to jump to that solution too early in the process. And we do want to stake a claim for what we want to get for the customer and what we want to get for the business. So thanks, Mike, for stoking a little controversy and also adding some, some valuable points here to the conversation. And I want to give Sumeya a chance for concluding thoughts here. Uh, any concluding thoughts or bite-sized takeaways that you hope the audience leaves this conversation with? Yeah, absolutely. I shared uh, a couple of resources that I had mentioned in the conversation on my Twitter account, which you can find all the way at the bottom of my bio here on Clubhouse. Um, so feel free to check that out and and definitely sign up for the um, for the Slack channel. Um, so I, I wanna I, I just wanna close out with going back to the point about the best OKRs have three elements to them. One. They represent a healthy tension between what can be achieved and what can't be achieved. The team should feel nervous about them when they sign up for them. That's one. Two, there is, we talk about the art and the science. The science is really important, especially in the key result piece. Uh, you get to look at data. But what is the data that actually tells you the right story? I think there is a lot of work that SPMs we do there. And then the last but uh, and not least, when it comes to the reality of uh, the ever-changing world we work in, the majority of products I've worked in have made it necessary for me to uh, continuously update OKRs. Maybe only two quarters of the year I don't update the OKRs, but the other two I do mid-quarter or at some point in the quarter. So don't be afraid to do that as long as you keep in mind that the overall objectives of your company are in alignment. So those are the, the three points for me. Thank you, Sumeya. Wonderful having you as always. Every week, uh, if you love what Sumeya had to say or you learned something today, uh, she's here every week on Clubhouse Tuesdays at 4 p.m. as a resident expert here on how to succeed in product management. And again, you could hear what she said for the last 11 weeks, I think, on how to succeed in product management podcast available on every major podcasting app. And today we had a very special guest ahead of product at Amazon. And I also want to clarify that both Murtaza and Sumeya uh, they express their own opinions uh, and not the opinions or any trade secrets of their respective companies. So as a disclaimer, anything you heard from them was their own thoughts on what should be done and, and how it could be done. But Murtaza, any concluding thoughts on today's conversation or bite-sized takeaways you hope this audience leaves with? Sure. We live in a very dynamic world and the industries that we operate in are fast changing. The products are fast changing. So set up objectives that are futuristic set up objectives that are inspirational and, and highly ambitious. And that key results have a sense of priority among them so that if something becomes bigger than what you anticipated while setting them up, you, you know what to trade off. And, uh, and don't be afraid to set up highly ambitious goals, being aggressive with them. And, and also don't be afraid uh, and feel bad if, uh, if you're not able to beat all of them. So key is to looking at, uh, look at data and the staying nimble and, and course correcting on the way while getting better and better uh, with data uh, with every planning cycle. All right. Thank you, Murtaza, for being here and giving some excellent insights today. And I now want to turn to my co-host, Red, who was a, on the founding advisory board for the Product Management Center at the University of Washington. So he helped us build this from the ground up. We've had some amazing programs like an inclusive product management summit, a foster the product series, a lecture series. And we've got some more exciting things ahead. And all of that's possible because Red and uh, 22 other 
product managers from across industries, gave their valuable time and insight to help us build this. And not only that, he is the reason we are here today because he got me and us on pod, on Clubhouse and his company, Aptentive, has uh, generously supported the conversion of these conversations to a podcast. So Red deserves a moment in the sun. Red, what's your concluding thoughts today? Uh, well, in honor of OKRs, uh, my startup was invested in by Google Ventures and we discovered it through Google, which I believe, and Sumaya, keep me honest here, was the heart and soul of why OKRs came to be. So if you're someone who's interested in learning more about them, you can either watch an hour and a half long video on YouTube or, or you can read a book, uh, Measure What Matters. Today is not about me. Today is about you feeling comfortable that when a company says, yo, you should do OKRs, you're like, OKRs, I got this. And that the engineers you work with, as well as the people you manage up to, feel confident that you're not only someone who mastered OKRs, but you're actually using them with purpose. It's not just an objective to have them. They're supposed to be guiding your business forward. And if you don't understand that, there's, an, again, an hour and a half long video or a book that should help you get there. Uh, with that in mind, we'll be here every Tuesday. So you tried something OKRs and you want to come back next Tuesday at 4 p.m. and let us know how it went, or you want to jump into that Slack channel, this is the kind of feedback we're looking for to make sure we're heading in the right direction from a community perspective. So that's it. That's my contribution today, Jeff. I thank you for the moment in the OKR sun. And you basked in it. It was like a, a warm glow all around you as you share some valuable resources. And for if you want to get access to those, that video and you don't want to Google it yourself, we'll post that into the Product Management Center Slack channel so everyone could find the, that book recommendation, the earlier recommendations from Sumeya and that video recommendation. And so next week, we have a very special Women in Product episode. Uh, so the Women in Product chapter here in Seattle has partnered with us and they have uh, two fantastic product leaders from their group who are going to share some insight into adapting uh, to change as a PM. And this is relevant not just to women in product, but to women in product, to allies and to everybody. Because if you ask me, women in product are critical to product success. I think we need uh, more diverse teams building the products so that the products can serve more diverse audiences. And in light of that, as uh, the Product Management Center works to develop a more diverse talent pipeline and also to help all product managers from all backgrounds develop products that succeed and that are inclusive to more diverse audiences, we need your help. And so there's lots of ways that you can help the Product Management Center develop a more diverse, inclusive, and importantly, skilled product management community. Uh, so if you want to help, you could be a guest here on how to succeed in product management. We have volunteers who are generously taking notes uh, from these events and posting them on LinkedIn and our Slack channel. So we could use some volunteers there. And we need companies. We have a, we're, we're trying to launch a program that is going to hopefully uh, help 100 early career professionals from underrepresented communities land their first product management role by June 2022. That's an amb ambitious uh, objective and key result there. And we're going to need companies who could help us help us staff that. Yes, Samaya has got some excitement and she's helped us along the way as we're developing this program. And we're going to need some companies who are willing to step up and really uh, showcase how much, how important diversity is in product management and also uh, help place these fantastically talented individuals that we're going to give knowledge, a community, and uh, a network that, that will support them 
not just getting the job, but thriving in the job. So reach out to me if you want to help us in that initiative. Reach out if you want to be a guest on How to Succeed in Product Management, or if you want to be sharing some of the notes from these events. We could use your help because we could all need to work together to help develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. 